Welcome to the Trinity Grace Church Tribeca podcast. At Trinity Grace Church, our mission is to help New Yorkers grow in love by practicing the way of Jesus for the good of our city. If you're interested in Trinity Grace Church Tribeca, check out our website at tgctribeca.com where you can learn more about us and learn about ways that you can help support our church and this podcast. You can also follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook to see and hear what's going on in our community. Thank you for joining us today and welcome grace and peace to you. Psalm 148, praise the Lord, praise the Lord from the heavens, praise God in the heights, praise God all God's angels, praise God all God's hosts, praise God sun and moon, praise God all you shining stars, praise God you highest heavens and you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord. For God commanded, and they were created. And God established them forever and ever. God gave a decree, and it shall not pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all deeps, fire and hail, snow and mist, stormy wind fulfilling his word. Mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, beasts and all livestock, creeping things and flying birds, kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all rulers of the earth, young men and maidens together, old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for God's name alone is exalted. God's majesty is above earth and heaven. God has raised up a horn for God's people, praise for all God's saints, for the people of Israel who are near to God, praise the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. You can be seated. Uh, Thank you guys so much for having me back. My name is Tyler Schwartz. Uh, I'm uh, really excited to share some of the ideas that I've had about uh, the psalm over the past month or so. Um, And these ideas are not static in my head. They're still kind of Play-Doh, and I like to experiment with them and twist them around. And I would love to um, talk with you about them. So if uh, you'd like to reach out, I would love to chat more with you about um, the things I'll share today. Uh, My uh, Instagram handle is TylerVSNYC. Tyler versus NYC, if you want to come play. Okay. Uh, I'd like to start our time together with uh, a little bit of uh, science. Uh, If you're afraid of science, this will be over very quickly, uh, but it'll be fun and easy to understand, and more importantly, if you don't grasp this, nothing else will make sense. Okay. The science thing is called a resonant 
frequency. You guys want to say that? Resonant frequency. Okay, it's not scary. What it is, is a resonant frequency is something that everything has, like a height or a weight or a mass. A resonant frequency tells you if you strike something and then it shakes, it resonates, how fast will it resonate, okay? So this tuning fork here is designed with a very specific resonant frequency of 440. So when you strike it, you know that it's resonating exactly 440 times. What this does is it disturbs the air, and if that air gets to your ear, you say, that sounds like an A. I don't know if you'll be able to hear this. Okay, so very light, but that's resonant frequency in action. Uh, we're at a new um, location today, which is beautiful, and right up to the left is this amazing organ. Each of these pipes is created very specifically and uh, careful to achieve a very specific resonant frequency. The low organ pipes have a very low resonant frequency and produce a low note, while the high ones have a high note. Okay, I feel like we grasped this, so now uh, we can get a little weird and fun and interesting with it. Okay, if you take a piano, right, and you open the top of it, you see all the strings, each with a specific resonant frequency. And then you take David Gunger, with a very powerful voice, and you have him sing a note at the piano. He will disturb the air, and it'll go towards the piano, and only one string will sympathize with that resonation, and that string will resonate back at him, only one out of the 88. Uh, so the idea is if you sing at a piano, it kind of sings back at you, because it sympathizes with you. It's pretty interesting. Um, Everything has a resonant frequency, but it's not always a good thing. So wine glasses have a resonant frequency, uh, but they're not built to resonate. They're built to hold alcohol. And that's why if an opera singer sings a, a specific note at a wine glass, it will resonate, but then it will instantly shatter because it's not designed for resonation. Uh, bridges have a resonant frequency. And when armies march across bridges, if the commanding officer is worth his weight in salt, he'll command his army to stop their march and just walk like normal. This is because in the 1800s, an army was walking across a bridge, and the frequency of their marching was identical to the bridge's resonant frequency, and the bridge collapsed and killed and injured a lot of people, which is horrible for armies. Okay, so why are we talking about uh, a resonant frequency? I believe that as Christians, it is our job um, to have a resonant frequency of praise to God. That when you strike us or when we talk, we resonate with praise to God. And I feel like that's not too difficult of a, of a connection to make. That um, we know God, we know his gospel, we have unlimited access to him, so we should praise him. That should be kind of the consequence of our Christianity. Um, but what does it mean to praise God? That's why we're talking about this. This Psalm 148, it's all full of praise God the sun, praise God the moon, praise beasts and creeping things. What are you, what are you talking about? How do these things praise God? And the answer that I Googled that makes me most right is that you praise God by fulfilling the purpose for which you were created. Okay. 
praising God means you're fulfilling the purpose for which God created you. And by that definition, that tuning fork was praising God when it resonated 440 times in a second. Um, uh, an article that Michael forwarded me about praise of God opened with, trees praise God by being trees, okay, by growing and filling our earth with oxygen. That's why God created them and, and they are praising God by, by fulfilling their destiny. But uh, obviously humans are much more complicated than tuning forks and, and trees and we're multi-layered. And so I'd like to talk about a specific part of how we can praise God this morning. And that way is, Christians can praise God by enjoying the good world that he created. We can praise God by enjoying the good world that he created around us. What if in 2020 you had a, um, a resolution to enjoy life more rather than like torture yourself with the gym or something like that, enjoy life more? It sounds weird, right, that you're in a church and you're, and you're hearing someone challenging you to enjoy life more. It, it feels like more the opposite usually, right? It's a stereotype about the church that's probably uh, deserved, honestly. But that the world is uh, uh, scary and full of sin and we have to be careful and that's why we're here. We're safe here uh, from the, the, the sins of the world. So wash and cleanse yourself before God and, and don't enjoy it too much because if you figure out how to break all the rules out there in the right way, you'll figure out the real way to have fun and it's out there. And uh, that's hedonism, essentially, is uh, enjoying life so much that it's all just fun and uh, frivolousness. And um, the Bible is actually extremely not afraid of that. <laughs> it's not uh, an original idea. There's actually a whole book of the Bible where someone tried exactly this thing. Uh, it's called Ecclesiastes. It's great. It's my favorite book. And Ecclesiastes is King Solomon trying to do exactly that. He had riches beyond anything that we can imagine, and he devoted his life to um, hedonism. To, if he wanted something, he got it. If he wanted to do something, he did it. And uh, all, you can be as creative as you want of like, if there were no rules, if you turned morality off, I would do this weird thing, this weird thing. King Solomon would just say, did it, did it, did it, did it. He did it all. Read it. It's there. It's, it's, uh, it's fun and weird. And at the end of it, he says, it was all vanity. It was not worth it. It wasn't the purpose for which I was created. So the Bible is not afraid of hedonism, and that's not what we're talking about when we talk about enjoying life. Um, uh, in 2016, the Cubs won, uh, well, they, were, they got into the World Series. Spoiler alert, they won. And a couple of friends of mine wanted to drive to Chicago to watch games in a bar, and uh, they invited me. And I had just come back from a trip, and my wife had watched our uh, daughter at the time for a couple days, and she's an amazing woman, and she didn't say, you can't go. She just said, you know, it's been tough with Talia by myself. You can go if you want, but it's going to be difficult. And I weighed the two in my mind, and I decided I would definitely enjoy staying with my family and fulfilling my responsibility as a husband and a father more than 
going and having fun in a bar and, and drinking with friends, which is obviously incredibly fun and enjoyable, but the enjoyment for me was at home. Uh, and that sounds weird that I did that because I was trying to enjoy life more, not, not less. And so I think that's the kind of enjoyment um, that I want to explore this morning. Excuse me while I get a drink. Okay, so we're talking about enjoyment. And uh, what about Jesus uh, and enjoyment? This is uh, difficult to think about, uh, partly because um, there's, we just have the words in the Bible. We don't know the, the tone or, or the context as much, and so we're, uh, it's much better to guess by people's actions. What did they do? And so how does Jesus' actions relate to enjoyment? Uh, the first miracle that Jesus does publicly and is written about is a wedding called the Wedding of Cana. And at this wedding, uh, it was obviously not uh, planned by the appropriate planner, they ran out of wine. And Jesus says, uh, see those jugs over there, fill them with water, and then uh, bring, bring them to the master of ceremonies. And so they go to the jugs and they fill them with water and they turn into wine. This is Jesus' first miracle. And then the master of ceremonies, of course, goes to the bridegroom and gives him all the uh, uh, praise for this miracle. Um, but the disciples kind of gently rib each other and say, we know who really did it. Um, and so that, that's Jesus taking the old um, way of relating to God, which is purification. The jugs, uh, or the canisters that were filled with water were filled, were meant for Jewish purification. They would fill this water, they would bless it, and they would use that water to um, you know, purify themselves, to get closer to God. And Jesus is literally taking that and he's saying, that's not the way we do things anymore. Instead of purification, it's moving to enjoyment. I mean, you couldn't get any clearer than like, people who have already been drinking for a while, getting more wine at a wedding. It's incredibly enjoyable. And that's because Jesus says, this is what the kingdom of God is like. And now take Jesus at the end of his life. It's the day before he's about to experience the darkest um, day when he was crucified. And he has dinner with his friends. It's called the, the Last Supper. It's very well known. And... Uh, what Jesus does not say is, listen, I have a very bad day tomorrow, and I want you guys to remember me. So what you're going to do is, if you want to remember me, enter two hours of silent prayer. At the third, I'll join you. Uh, 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 pinch yourself or, or put yourself in pain because I was in pain. Do these things to remind yourself of what I went through. He doesn't do that. Instead, he takes bread and wine, which are the most universally, again, enjoyable things that you can have. And he says, don't just look at them and, and pray about them. Eat them and enjoy them and remember me by doing this. He's taking an inherently enjoyable practice and ironically inviting people to soberly remember him in it. So although he's described as a man of sorrows, he certainly does hand out a lot of wine to people uh, and, and fish and bread, raises people from the dead. Enjoyment seems to be something that's very important to Jesus uh, because other people around him 
are so enabled by him to do it. Why is enjoyment so important to Jesus? This is my kind of big idea for the morning. Um, The reason that enjoyment is so important to Jesus is because life is God's analogy. Life is God's analogy. Christians believe that God made all things that are good. If you see something good or experience something good and it resonates with you, you're resonating with a beauty that God gave to that thing. Life is God's analogy and God whispers through beauty when you experience it and he says, this is what I'm like. This is what my kingdom is like. And we feel like a piano that is singing back to the one that is singing to us. Unfortunately, the the analogy works the, the bad way too, of when we experience the tragic and the terrible. Boy, does that resonate with us as well, even more so. When bad things happen, we feel so much worse than when good things happen. (laughs) Uh, uh, It's not fun. Uh, And we we resonate, but we feel a lot more like the the wine glass or the bridge um, that shatters and crumbles under something. And that's because you're experiencing something that you weren't created to experience suffering and tragedy. And life is God's analogy because he uses suffering and tragedy to yell, this is what I am not like. This is what my kingdom is not like. So now we can finally get to the psalm uh, that was so beautifully read. Thank you. Uh, I'm gonna get more water first. I just get dry mouth. I went, I went to college for, for music, and this happened as well. I would just have to drink and drink and drink on stage, so I still have to do it or else I just can't talk. I apologize. Okay, so Psalm 148. You have all these inanimate objects that are charged with praising God. What I'd like to do is to take the ones that resonate with me the most and tell you how they speak to me about the character of God. And different ones may resonate with you, and that's great. That's why diversity in our kingdom is important, because different things resonate with different people. But here are mine. Praise him, sun and moon. Why do we we appreciate and enjoy the sun? How do we relate to it? What does it tell us about God? Well, for one, we're completely dependent on the sun. If it goes out, uh, the stars will get very bright and we will all freeze very quickly. And that reminds us of God because if God didn't create us, we wouldn't even exist. We wouldn't be frozen, there would be nothing to freeze, there would just be nothing. The sun is also incredibly powerful. Uh, it's not to be trifled with. It's not um, a plaything. It is. It's serious. You need to be careful around it. Uh, it's um, incredibly power, and that's because God is power. He is um, often appears in a fire, as to Moses with the burning bush. Um, but the sun is also incredibly pleasant. If you're cold and you go to the right side of the street and the sun shines on you, you you close your eyes and you can feel it 
uh, that, that just pleasing feeling. That's because God is pleasure. You're, you're um, experiencing life as an analogy and experiencing God through the Son. Praise God. Uh, it, in this translation, it says great sea creatures. In other uh, translation, it says sea monsters. What can sea monsters kind of tell us or, or whisper to us about God? I'll tell you. Uh, they're both terrifying. Have you seen Planet Earth 2? I mean, these, they're, the, they're, they're, they're just terrifying to look at. You see them and, and you, you do this. And what happens whenever an angel appears before someone in the Bible? Are they just sitting at dinner and they're just complaining about their boss and they say, do you hear, um, is that harp? Harp music? Oh, there's an angel here. Let's talk to him. No, the angel has to lead with, please don't be afraid, and then everyone gets super afraid. <laughs> For some reason, they're terrifying. Uh, God is um, terrifying like that. Um, and now we get to my, my favorite one. This is the one that resonates with me the most. Uh, praise him. Uh, wild animals and all cattle, creeping things and flying birds. Birds. I love birds. Uh, uh, how do birds kind of, um, if life is an analogy, what do birds tell us about God? Uh, a bad version of this would be like, birds fly and we want to fly. And, and Jesus flew when he walked on water, right? And uh, no, that's not how this works. Jesus didn't fly. He floated. Very different. Okay. Uh, Jesus just turned off gravity and then just went. Uh, birds need gravity to fly. It's way different. Uh, to be honest, the fact that they can fly doesn't even crack my top three glorious things about birds. Uh, my f uh, third favorite part about birds is uh, the names of groups of birds are the best names. A group of crows is called a murder of crows. That's so awesome. Don't feel so proud anymore, do you? pride of lions. There's a new lion in town, and it's called a crow. I don't know what has, that has to do with God, but I just, it resonates with me. Uh, birds are supreme, supremely intelligent. Um, if you take two crows and put them in boxes and drive them 50 miles in opposite directions and you open the boxes next to two separate deer carcasses. The crows will look at the carcass and then they'll fly back to the murder and they'll chat and then the murder will get up and they'll fly to the bigger carcass. Isn't that so cool? Um, and I know I'm saying a lot of words and, 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 and uh, analogies, and it may be confusing, so I'll be very, very clear in this point. Birds are supremely, supremely intelligent. God is not intelligent. God is intelligence. It's very different. And we are made in God's image. We're just like a little intelligent. We're a little bit intelligent. And that's when, when we see intelligence in something else, it resonates with us because God is that thing. He is intelligence. Life is God's analogy. But the most fantastic thing about birds that 
I, I, well, no one can explain it, is it has a horrible name. I really don't like the name, but it's called murmuration. And it's what happens when a flock of birds is flying and in a, in a second, they all change direction, every single one. It's not like there's one head bird, like the mayor bird, and that bird is like, all right, I'm gonna change, and then the birds next to him see, and they start going, and in like two seconds, the whole flock. No, it's not like that at all. It's boom, they're going in a different direction. I've read, a, I just did a little research about like what is going on, and all these, quote, scientists, uh, could have saved me a lot of time by just saying, we don't know, we just named it murmuration. They, like, no one knows what's happening. Um, it's astounding. And the reason it resonates is because God is astounding as well. When we meet him, it'll be like that, but completely different. Uh, something that we can't possibly imagine. That's what um, we get a little hint of. Or, <laughs> I'll be honest, it's what I get a little hint of when I see birds, is, is that um, astounding uh, ability of them. Okay, that's a lot. Let's all take a deep breath. If you asked me, uh, hey, the Savior of God is coming. I'm sorry, the Savior of the world is coming. He's going to do his first miracle, and he's going to turn water into blank. What do you think it's going to be? I would have said penicillin. And I would have felt really impressed with myself because that wouldn't have been invented for hundreds of years and saved lives. And they would have said, no, it's wine. I was like, what are you talking about? It's wine. Why? We, they already have that. What, what's, what's he saying? And I believe the reason Jesus did that is because in this miracle, he's not talking about the importance of saving lives. Although he did plenty of that later. He's driving at something more important of why you're alive why you're created, and what your job is now. And that is enjoyment. So my hope for us as a church is that we praise God by enjoying the world that he created for us. Uh, The more I think about it, I think that might be all of our jobs. Like that might be the whole thing, but I'm not quite prepared to say that now. So as you go into the new year, let's all try to Enjoy the good world that God has created for us and praise him through doing it. Uh, Thank you so much for having me. Um, uh, This is a beautiful new space.